Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself. If you are neurodivergent or a woman or someone who gets a period or disabled in any way, biohacking is using what resources are available to you to get yourself to the level that society expects us all to be at with the means that you can control because our society, our system wasn't designed to support anybody who isn't a cishet, white, able-bodied man. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Well, before we begin, I would like to take a moment to wish all of you a very happy holiday season. After this episode, I will be taking a two-week break and will return on January 8th with an all-new episode. I have some fantastic guests lined up for the new year, so I hope you will join me. In the meantime, I hope you'll be able to catch up on any episodes you may have missed. And if you haven't already, make sure to check out my other podcast, The ADHD Lounge, which I co-host with Alex Gilbert. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, here we are at episode 168, in which I interview Cora O'Neill. Cora is a queer ADHD period biohacker and the co-founder of Unleash Your Superpowers. Diagnosed at the age of 29, Cora now uses her understanding of period science, neurodivergence, and queer theory to help thousands of people feel empowered by the body they are in. Cora also co-authored the book, Your Toolbox to Unleash Your Superpowers, a menstruating human's guide to biohacking and hormonal harmony. And she created the Superpowers Planner, a gorgeous calendar that not only helps you track your phases, but gives you helpful tips for movement and nutrition based on your phases. We talk about how menstrual cycles affect our ADHD symptoms, as well as what foods align best with our different phases, and lots of other ways to naturally support our hormones. Also, I just want to quickly add, at one point in this episode, I am desperately trying to remember the name of an author, and I just couldn't for the life of me remember her name. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. 
Anyway, the woman I was talking about is Kate Northrup, who is the daughter of Dr. Christiane Northrup. So keep that in mind when you hear me fumbling to remember her name. Anyway, you were definitely going to want to grab a pen and a paper for this episode. This is a super helpful conversation packed with facts. It's definitely one I plan to revisit often since I find I am endlessly confused by hormones and our different menstrual phrases, especially when it comes to my ADHD symptoms. So without further ado, here is my interview with Cora. Hi, Cora. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Katie. Thank you for having me. Um, Gosh, I feel like I don't know if you've heard this on the podcast, but like I, I grew up in a very religious family and I my mother refused to allow me to go to any sex ed classes. So I always felt like I'm way behind when it comes to so much about sexual health, menstruation, all of that. Um, and so I'm super excited to talk about all of this. But like I literally had to look up the different menstrual phases before I started this because I was like, I can't, like, I don't know the difference between follicular and luteal. And I'm sure I'm not, I can't be the only woman who has that (laughs) that issue. And I am also going to be using the phrase woman as I do with the podcast as a kind of catch all phrase for anyone who menstruates or was socialized as a girl, just moving forward. Okay. So let's, before we even talk about any of that, I want to hear about your diagnosis because you are ADHD and autistic. Were you diagnosed with both at the same time or kind of what was happening? How how long ago were you diagnosed? What was happening in your life that led you to really think I need to look into this? All at once and also not at the same time at all. I, as most folks with ADHD or autism, my whole family has ADHD. I was taken to be diagnosed when I was a kid back in the 90s with my younger brother who was came back they said he has ADHD and they said she is borderline but like as we know now there's no such thing as a borderline case of ADHD you have a neurodivergent brain or you don't Um, but so I went my whole life going my brother's the one with that issue I'm I don't know I, I I have trouble socializing I have social problems And then flash forward to the pandemic, I went viral on TikTok for talking about periods and all of the things that (laughs) we're probably going to talk about. I was dealing with autistic burnout without realizing I was dealing with autistic burnout and the depth of the panic and the meltdowns and burnout that I was going through made me stop and assess and go, there is something really wrong here. I want to look into an autistic autism diagnosis. Um, and where I was lucky that where I went for an autism diagnosis, they also specialized in ADHD. And in my assessment at the very end, the guy goes, yeah, I would say that you have autism. And I, I also think you have ADHD just based on everything that's been happening in this conversation. And I went, cool, that actually tracks. So it's like all at once and also not at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so did you did you go back to your parents and what was their reaction? Yeah, it <laughs> it took my dad a while to come around to it. And he still he's got his own internalized ableism about it, because I also think he has the same thing I do of both diagnoses. So from his point of view, it's he can't accept it in other people because he hasn't accepted it in himself kind of situation. Um, My mom was really accepting very early. She was like, oh, this, you make sense now. (laughs) 
which was really validating. So it, my dad is uh, sensitive to it, but he's not going to go out of his way to acknowledge that these are the struggles that I experience having the brain I do. Interesting. Even the term borderline ADHD makes it sound like it's like, be careful. Like you're going to, you know, if you don't watch yourself. You could tip the other way if you eat too much sugar. Yeah. Right. Like, again, it sort of puts the onus on you as a child to like, you know, shape up. Interesting. You know, we talk so much on this episode or on this podcast about how differently we're socialized, right? And so, so much of the time with boys, it's socialized. I'm like, okay, let's see what kind of help we can get for this person immediately. And with girls, it's like, you better watch out. You better, you better get your act together. I, I also think that's so indicative of how we raise boys to take all the risks and we raise girls to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So that I didn't know about the viral video. So what was, you were just interested already in menstruation or yeah and it it wasn't just one video it was the entire account (laughs) i gained ninety thousand followers in the span of three weeks tiktok (laughs) yeah tiktok panic times uh as a, a piece of advice to neurodivergent folks out there think twice before you think oh i want to go viral on social media because especially the notifications as they're rolling in, you need tools to be prepared for that. And I did not have them. But yeah, I was a uh, integrated, integrative nutrition health coach several years before the pandemic. And I got really into Elisa Vitti's work and because she's the pioneer of this kind of biohacking for periods field. I got really into her work and I was helping a lot of friends deal with their periods at the time. And I was trying to think of something that I could put on TikTok. I was an actor for a while and all of my actor friends were putting on theatrical things. And I was like, I, it's the pandemic. I just shaved my head as a form of pandemic panic. I, I I don't want to like sing a song. I want to talk about something that I think is really interesting. So I talked about the difference between the infradian cycle and the circadian rhythm or the infradian rhythm and the circadian rhythm, which is the menstrual cycle versus, you know, the 24 hour hormone cycle that everybody has. And yeah, the TikTok account exploded. Wow. Actually, I feel like maybe I saw that video. (laughs) Were you talking about like work cycles and productivity cycles? (laughs) I think I saw this. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, right. Because it's really, it's really true. When you think about how much of our work day and our weekly productivity cycles and our expectations of ourselves are all based on a 24 hour cycle instead of a monthly cycle. Yeah. I got really into Christian. Oh God. What is her name? She's the daughter of a doctor who actually speaks in IIN. Did you go to IIN as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the lectures. It's funny because I'm also the daughter of a doctor. So. Oh, gosh. It must be a thing. I should have this like written down somewhere because I feel like I reference her a lot when I talk about productivity. She anyway, her whole thing, she was she was comes at it from much more of a business perspective. Her, her mother was like a feminine health doctor, famous doctor. And she speaks all about 
the productivity cycle in, in terms of our energy and our ovulation cycle and how, you know, there is that time, like half of your time needs to be spent low and internal. And like that is necessary in order to have the manic energized cycle. And it was one of those things that we talk about a lot. Cause I mean, you know, so many of us had that pendulum before our diagnosis of feeling like what's wrong with me when I'm can't get off the couch because there's times when I'm doing all the things and you feel like the time when you're doing all the things should be evidence for always doing all the things as opposed to realizing that they're both needed. They're both essential. So talking about menopause and the menstrual cycle, what do you think in terms of ADHD and autism? What are some of the things in that our cycle, like how does our behavior or our thinking or our energy, how does it change from one cycle to the next? Oof. Do you mean the fate? Because you mentioned menopause in your question. Do you mean? Oh, I meant menstrual. No, I, I don't know why I said menopause. Sorry. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So it changes big time. First off, our hormones change our bodies and brains from week to week, just across the board, whether you're neurodivergent or not. Um, and then when you add things like emotional dysregulation, sensory sensitivity, dopamine, hunger, the different phases are going to drastically change all of those things because we're sens we're more sensitive to that sort of stuff. Should I go through the different phases of the cycle and just like mark down what's happening in what in regards to ADHD and autism? Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Cool. So I like to start off with the follicular phase for folks listening who do not know the different phases of the cycle. It goes your follicular phase, ovulation, luteal phase, then your period. I do period last, but if you talk to your doctor, your doctor will use your first day of your period as the first cycle. But anyway, the follicular phase is when estrogen is starting to rise and with ADHD, it's very important specifically because estrogen helps bind dopamine to brain receptors easier and has even been shown to create more dopamine receptors. So women with ADHD are going to notice that they don't have as intense ADHD symptoms in the follicular phase um, when they have higher estrogen than the rest of the time. And the follicular phase is really like, as you mentioned, like it's the reference the time when we're feeling more energized and we're, we've like we can spin all the plates and everything's fine I feel like it's when my ADHD and my autism become really more of a superpower um, and even more so in the ovulation phase which is just follicular phase uh magnified because it's when estrogen peaks and we also get a little bump of testosterone so we've also got like the grounding of the testosterone asking uh, giving us this drive to do what we set out to do we're especially with in regards to autism where we may be feeling like social cues aren't our super skill during ovulation our brains are better primed to read and give out social cues as if it's a second as if it's innate for us so socializing is a lot easier during ovulation which is helpful for autism and then the luteal phase is when <laughs> everything goes awry the luteal phase is when estrogen drops and progesterone peaks and progesterone is a precursor to cortisol which is the stress hormone 
<laughs> the change in your face. Yes. <laughs> so when estrogen drops, we are losing that extra helping to get to more dopamine that estrogen was giving us in the first two phases. So for folks with ADHD, this will be the time when we're really scatterbrained. We're really reaching for those like self-medicating fixes, like extra coffee, extra chocolate, extra sugar. Our sleeping problems are even worse. And with autism and with ADHD, but sensory issues are going to be a lot worse. Like for me, my one of my biggest triggers is a leaf blower. And I can kind of handle a leaf blower in my follicular and ovulation phase. I can walk away and not feel like I'm under attack. But in my luteal phase, as soon as I hear a leaf blower, it is fight or flight. And to exacerbate the luteal phase issues, there is a very strong link between folks with ADHD and having PMDD, which is a grossly misundiagnosed, misunderstood condition. So a lot of folks with ADHD have an even worse time dealing with the luteal phase than they even need to because we, again, I haven't mentioned this, but we just aren't really studied in terms of women and people who get a period. And then lastly, the menstrual phase is if our hormones have been balanced the whole month prior, then the menstrual phase can actually be a really relaxed and rejuvenating sort of time. It can still feel like ADHD is just constantly dopamine farming, um, but I lost my train of thought because I'm in my luteal phase. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, the menstrual phase is like the cocooning phase, right? The in like going inward. Yeah, it's definitely the time when it's easier to lean into drinking soup and feeling cocooning phase. You nailed it with that explanation. I'm trying to find another way to further explain it, but you nailed it. So the luteal phase, so, okay, for me, the luteal phase is when I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, why am I angry at everybody? Uh, why can I, why do I have the um, concentration of a gnat? And then the, my period comes the next day. So uh, I feel like that's like clockwork because I'm terrible at tracking. I've, I've, I know that tracking would be so helpful, but it's also something, you know, and this is another thing I wanted to get to, too, with perimenopause, which is I'm, you know, in perimenopause right now. So I will go, you know, three months without a period right now in this phase of my life. So I don't know how, to, how do you track your period if you have an irregular period? Um, there's a difference between having an irregular period because you're in perimenopause and you're having an irregular period because you have a hormonal imbalance. Like me at 31, um, I'm, I could be going through perimenopause. I'm not, but if I was having a irregular cycle, it would be because my hormones are out of whack and I could fix it through biohacking means, food, sleep, lifestyle changes with perimenopause it's a little different because that's exactly what's supposed to be happening, as, as fun as that sounds. With tracking for perimenopause, I think the best course of action is really like taking it day by day. Like, as you've noticed, I start to feel this way and then I get my period. So like you, you've already got the internal signals, but because it's supposed to be kind of random and chaotic as 
your menstrual cycle is kind of tapering off, there isn't going to be a way that you can calculate next when your period will be coming or even if you are still ovulating. I think that's like the best that can be done with that. Yeah. One of the things that's been really helpful about the ADHD diagnosis is just having a lot more grace with like, if something, if I'm reacting a certain way, there's probably a good reason, right? So even when I talk about not getting off the couch, I used to get really frustrated with my low executive function days. And now I'm kind of like, oh, right. I probably was working really hard on something. So I'm going to enjoy and lean into this day of rest, right? And like, you know, I don't necessarily plan for the rest because I'm terrible at planning and tracking. But when it's happening, I'm not going to like get angry at myself if I can't, you know, if if I'm having a really low productivity day, I'll just be like, okay, I, I surrender to this day. I might as well enjoy it. And I, you know, having faith that the productivity comes back. Yeah. I also like to go about those days thinking about what's the bare minimum (laughs) that I have to do because like we don't live in a world that allows we like as you said brought up before like we don't live in a world that allows for the cyclical kind of living so we we really need to make that space for ourselves and it's really helpful when you're able to foresee that happening but you have to be in it the phase of your life when your period is regular and you also need to have balanced hormones so that it is regular, which is really hard. There's a very small group of people who have that going on because we don't have a lot of support for people who get periods. That sounds like a great way to go about it is just have your uh, high functioning days and have your really low executive dysfunctioning days and go, what what's the minimum I have to do? And take off for the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I, you know, I, I, I'm very privileged as a self-employed person that I can do that. I would think it would be harder being self-employed because you are the whole paycheck and kit and caboodle of everything. Like being self-employed, you end up spinning all of the plates yourself. That is true. And I was going to say, yeah, there's a, oh God, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Like, cause I'm like, <laughs> well, it's true. Like I, you know, a lot of the stuff about being self-employed means I work seven days a week because I never know when I'm going to have that productivity. Um, and sometimes I just have to go with it. And it's been really difficult to like plan weekend breaks Speaking of burnout too, right? Like that's something I think people who are self-employed experience a lot, especially neurodivergent. Uh, and what the last time I experienced burnout, I didn't have my period for six months and it didn't occur to me until after I got better and got it back with a vengeance that I was like, oh, this must have been related to, is there any kind of research into burnout and lack of menstruation? Or have you even noticed? Not that I know of. I do know that there's a very strong correlation between lack of get uh, amenorrhea, not getting your period, and stress, which, I mean, that is burnout. I don't think, I haven't seen any research explicitly uh, tying burnout to amenorrhea. But again, we aren't studied nearly enough. We've only, they've only started including people with periods into or women in studies is, I think it was like 2016, which is not very long ago in the grand scheme of things at all. And even then they will use, they will mainly use postmenopausal women instead of women who have periods. So finding our research is few and far between. 
Now, the other thing I was curious about when we were talking about moods and cycles, how do our meds affect our phases, if at all? Has there been any research into that that you know of in terms of any kind of psychiatric or psychotropic medication? Because I know that like one of the things I like about my SSRI is the fact that it really like makes me even keel and takes away a lot of that edge, especially when it comes to like social anxiety. But the flip side is that I feel like I'm kind of dead inside most of the time. Like I've lost the pendulum that I actually, I really miss, right? Because I really, especially as an entrepreneur, like I miss having a lot of that excitement that I used to have. I feel like the SSRI really takes the edge off of that. And I'm curious if there's been any research into how psychotropic medication affects our phases. I haven't read much on it. They're still working on studying the different types of birth control and how that actually affects our menstrual cycles. Some types of birth control put us in such a deep state of stress that we don't even respond to stress, which I do believe is also kind of how SSRIs kind of work, like it shuts down your stress response. So I would imagine that there is Definitely a very intricate something going on there, but I would really love for us to study what it is. <laughs> so you have all, all sorts of wonderful books and you have a planner too, which I think is super cool. I was looking at the pl- the superpowers planner um, and I love the fact that it's got like movement suggestions and different exercise suggestions for different phases, but also is there nutritional stuff in the planner? Yeah. Okay, what do we should what should we talk about first? Let's talk about the superpowers planner. How did you come up with that? It's awesome. I thank you. I came up with that because I needed it myself. And there's there was a strong saying in the theater community that I was in that the world doesn't need you to like create big amazing things. The world needs you to put into it what you need. So because I needed this, I I made a PDF form for myself and my collaborator for my company, Unleash Your Superpowers, Tara Lynn Steele, before we made the company, she came up to me and was like, hey, I see you're going viral on TikTok, which I told you you would do, you would anyway. I think we should make this into a business. And I was like, oh, cool. I uh, I made a planner <laughs> for myself. She said, great, let's make it real. <laughs> so that's, she's a functional range mobility specialist. So all of the movement pieces are from her and all of the breathing things that are in there also from her and all of the food and lifestyle aspects are from me. So we we came together to create a superpower team for helping you unleash your superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of holistic approaches to treatment. So what did you notice and when you were talking about foods for different phases of your cycle? Those are some of the videos I have seen of yours where you just, how did you kind of get into that research and, and let's go over some of the foods to embrace or avoid during different phases? Yeah, I don't remember how I got into it specifically. Once I found it, I really gravitated towards keeping it in my life because being ADHD, I love a routine but I hate sticking with a routine. I love making new routines and uh, having a different grocery list that I had to utilize or different meals to make for different weeks of my life. Like 
in rotation, like um, menstrual phase, we're buying this and we're making this follicular phase, we're buying this and we're making that it made grocery shopping, feeding myself (laughs) 10 times easier. And that's why it stuck with me so much and why I talk about it so much. All of the TikToks you've apparently seen. Um, Thank you for watching those, by the way. (laughs) So yeah, the different phases and what they need. In starting again with the follicular phase, which again, right after your period ends, that's when the follicular phase starts. Um, Follicular phase needs uh, complex carbohydrates, citrus, fermented foods, and what's the other thing? Micronutrients. So really micronutrient-dense veggies. The follicular phase is a time when we're kind of like sponges, both um, symbolically, mentally, and physically. Um, Like we can learn to do a handstand in a week instead of two months if we tackle it in the follicular phase. And similarly, our bodies are more micronutrient absorbent during that time. So if we pack in all of the micronutrients in our follicular phase, then come much later down the line in the luteal phase when our body is like, our immune system doesn't matter because we have a period to get ready for, we are more less likely to get sick. So all of the things that you would think would keep you healthy and strong, packing that into the follicular phase is a perfect time for that. I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm going to. The follicular phase is kind of like the luteal phase in that it's a time when you like you might be reaching for sugar a lot and it's different. So in the luteal phase, we're reaching for sugar because of the ADHD, especially if you have ADHD for because of the ADHD issues of needing that dopamine, needing that little kick to kick you out of the executive dysfunction, get you off the couch, get you doing something. In the luteal phase, we might be reaching towards sugar because we need more complex carbohydrates. And if we are not getting enough energy and electrolytes, then we will reach for sugar, which are going to make us feel like we're getting those electrolytes and um, that energy that would be coming from a complex carbohydrate. And healthy fats. That's the other thing. I, I knew I was forgetting one. So... Follicular phase is healthy fats, micronutrients, fermented foods, citrus, and uh, I said micronutrients and complex carbohydrates. All the things. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The ovulation phase is just like the, the follicular phase in terms of what it needs. A lot of people notice that they have less of an appetite in the ovulation phase, and that is because during ovulation, our bodies are more apt to burn our own fat stores. So we have less of an appetite. That really just means that if you feel like eating less, don't feel like you need to eat more just because you ate more last week. You're fine. (laughs) Uh, Your body knows what it needs. And that's those first two phases. (laughs) Let me know if I'm going too fast or if I'm jumping around. I am in my luteal phase and my scatterbrain is a scattered. Then we have the luteal phase. The luteal phase is where everything that we think, that we assume to know about health, science, and nutrition kind of goes out the window because of how progesterone, those high levels of progesterone turn into cortisol so quickly. We need a lot of protein. We need a lot of like root veggie complex carbohydrates because that's low in sugar. 
and this is important for folks with ADHD especially, is we are more insulin resistant. So when we have a donut for breakfast, the donut is going to affect our blood sugar levels way more than uh, any other time of our men- of our menstrual cycle. Um, so starting off our day, this the luteal phase is the problematic time, but it's the time to start off your day with protein instead of a, a coffee right away and water, like get yourself at a stable level. And then if you still feel like you need the coffee, drink the coffee, but don't start your day off with it. And that's kind of about it for the luteal phase. We just need a lot of protein, a lot of complex carbohydrates and uh, to downplay our sugar. And the other thing about the luteal phase is that uh, our metabolism is higher. We need something between 50 to 500 extra calories a day. So we end up eating, we need more food, but not more sugar. We need more complex carbohydrates and protein. Because the pro, uh, and it really all comes down to managing our blood sugar because the protein is going to uh, stabilize blood sugar and the complex carbohydrates are going to stabilize blood sugar and mitig- and cushion the stress response from the upped cortisol. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, as much as it can. I, I'm getting overloaded with information, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to listen to this episode over and over and over again because I feel like this is so helpful. And like you, like we were saying, like, I, I love the idea of just having this sort of stuff mapped out and why don't we, like, this is the thing that gets me frustrated is like, why, um, why don't we know this stuff and why isn't it sort of more mapped out in this way? It's so helpful. Because we're not men. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but I will say we, at Unleash Your Superpowers, my collaborator and I, we made a recipe subscription to help people work through this because every month you get a grocery list, recipes that you can make for it. And after a couple months of that, you have an entire cookbook of food that you can reach for that is going to be sectioned out by whatever phase in your cycle you're in because it is important. I know. Yeah, that's amazing. I saw that on your website too. I thought that was really cool. Um, Does it change depending on where you are in the world too, in terms of your regional environment? Uh, It should. I think we do set it up though, so that it's seasonal. So like if the conventional grocery store kind of seasonal, so like tomatoes. Right. You're not telling me to eat a lot of berries in December and that kind of thing. Yeah, correct. Or in winter, because if you're in Australia and it's December, you might have a ton of berries at your disposal. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. And so then the, for the menstrual phrase, is that is that the ice cream phrase? When do we get to the <laughs> ice cream and chocolate phase? Chocolate in moderation phase might actually be... Oh, wait. Chocolate phase is the menstrual phase. Yeah. Because um, we do need more magnesium in that phase. So that's your chocolate phase. The ice cream phase is please manage your sugar levels the rest of the month, but indulge because taking care of your emotional health is just as important as taking care of your physical health. That's the ice cream phase. Maybe ovulation, but uh, depends on how sensitive to sugar you are. And menstrual phase is the chocolate phase. It's also the purple foods. 
phase, which is a weird category, but at the same time, everything with purple foods has this type of polyphenol that is very helpful for a body that is actively shedding an entire inner lining of an organ. So it's chocolate if you want it, um, which I'm sure everybody does (laughs) because it's chocolate. Purple foods, seaweed. Uh, Seaweed has all of the micronutrients that we are actively losing by shedding our uterine lining. And there is one more uh, seafood, but not like salmon and tuna seafood, more like clam, shellfish, octopus kind of seafood, the kind of stuff where you eat it and you can taste the salty. And that works a similar way to the seaweed where it's it's got a lot of the things that we're losing as we're actively bleeding. Huh. Cool. So this is all part of biohacking. Actually, we probably should have said at the beginning what biohacking really is for people who don't listen to Huberman's lab. <laughs> uh, so what in your term, how would you define biohacking? I think there are really two types of biohacking, and I think it depends on who's doing it. I think if you are a cis, able-bodied, neurotypical man, biohacking is bigger, best, faster, better, stronger than the next guy. Um, whereas I think if you are neurodivergent or a woman or someone who gets a period or disabled in any way, biohacking is using what resources are available to you to get yourself to the level that society expects us all to be at. It's kind of helping yourself help yourself with the means that you can control because uh, our society, our system wasn't designed to support anybody who isn't a cishet, white, able-bodied man. So it's getting us to help ourselves because the system won't. And while the system should, that doesn't mean that we should be at the mercy of it just because it doesn't. Right? Absolutely. I think, yeah, in its most literal sense, I think it it really is just how can you, like we were talking about, how can you kind of holistically approach how to be your best self in in all ways, uh, which makes a lot of sense. It just feels like it's been taken over by douchebags. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like the same way about the term superpower, right? I mean, I think superpower can sometimes feel to many people like it's like it's um, toxic positivity, right? Where it's like ADHD. When we talk about ADHD being a superpower, it's a phrase I feel like it's very can be really problematic sometimes when it's like, let's ignore all of the struggles that have led you to this diagnosis. And let's focus on all the things that you're great at. But at the same time, like in the literal sense, there are some fantastic sides of ADHD if you can listen and pay attention and and tune in and and honor your cycle and your cyclical energy. It can be pretty amazing and it can feel like a superpower. It's just how do you get there? <laughs> and like I said, paying attention and keeping track are not things that I've ever been good at. So did we cover everything? We covered the planner, the book, and the recipe, so that's a monthly subscription. That's super cool. And then you just, you, everybody gets recipes and recipe lists or um, like ingredient lists. I think it's, it's four recipes per phase. So that's 16 recipes with a grocery list per week. That is so awesome. Is there like a community involved in it? Not yet. We are working on that. 
our next project that we're looking at uh, is working on an app and also changing our website so that there is a community element because we recognize that that's really going to be very helpful for people who use our services. Right. Yeah. Do you still work individually with people as a coach? Yes. Um, I do coaching through uh, Unleash Your Superpowers still. I My hours are really limited in terms of what I can do because I I'm currently in law school, (laughs) so. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been doing that? I'm at my third year now, so it's my last year. So were you diagnosed before you went? I I was diagnosed as I was deciding to go to law school. And I decided to go to law school in what I feel is a very, my brand of ADHD kind of way, um, where my mom said, what about law school? And I went, huh, yeah, why not? And did it. (laughs) Uh, what do you want to specialize in do you know yet i want to go into policy making i am upset it might be the combination of my neurodivergence i'm obsessed with systems and making them equitable for everybody uh yeah i feel like we talk a lot about social justice and neurodivergent drive for social justice and that kind of empathic uh quality but also burnout and overwhelm and how do we deal with those two at the same time oh that's so cool so uh you also seem you also like to collect certifications and degrees which i think is another neurodivergent (laughs) quality just like that that idea of like why not but yeah no that's super cool um i'm always fascinated because i never would have gone back to grad school had it not been for my adhd diagnosis uh because i'm like now i can feel like I can do it. Whereas I don't, I don't think I could have, I don't think I ever would have had the confidence in myself to do it beforehand. So now are you close with your brother? Does, is he, I guess, how have your conversations changed around neurodivergence? Yeah. Um, he thinks he outgrew his ADHD. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That tells you a lot. Whereas, uh, so I'm the oldest of four, my sister below both of us, just below both of us, she has ADHD. She's very vocal about having ADHD. She, uh, she also went to law school. She's a traditional student. I took a while, so she already graduated, but she started a disability club at her school because folks with ADHD, it's also a disability. We talk about, me and her talk about neurodivergence a lot. And actually she was, she said she was studying me for a year because um, she suspected I had autism. And when I, cause we watched uh, the Hannah Gadsby special where she talks about her own autism diagnosis. And my sister had this moment where she was looking at Hannah Gadsby talk about autism and then slowly turned to me <laughs> with a light bulb going off. <laughs> and I talk about it with my mom all the time. Cause we, my mom has ADHD without my mom and sister both have ADHD without autism and I talk about ADHD with them all the time and my autism with them all the time because they they have this very intense need to understand people and empathize and all of the underutilized soft skills that we now associate with women with ADHD. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, 
coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyperfocus ADHD research mode. I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy to access, self-guided and self-paced course. So you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. This is where I get so confused about what we're even talking about sometimes with ADHD, because <laughs> oftentimes, like, I feel like, are we talking about a certain type of brain that has ADHD and thinks a certain way, like the way we talk about autism, or are we talking about ADHD as like, as behaviors that exhibit struggle when you're in environments with a neurodivergent brain that aren't friendly to you, right? So I'm like, if you figure out your cycle, if you lean into your strengths in certain times and lean, you know, if you live a life of that, of, of acceptance and you live in a, in an environment that is helpful to your ADHD at all times, and you're not necessarily quote unquote struggling, do you still have ADHD? You know what I mean? Like, because we look at ADHD so often in terms of the deficits, that's when I start to feel like, well, wait a minute, are we actually talking about autism in terms of the brain and the thinking and that kind of thing? Where does, where do you feel like your autism and ADHD don't intersect? Or like, if you say, if you're looking at your sister and your mom and saying they don't have autism, what are the differences for you? I feel like that's the autism in me, which is like, I need to know exactly how to characterize all of these things. And there's too much ambiguity. Um, the most obvious difference for me when I think about my mom, sister, and myself with them having ADHD and me having ADHD, socializing is innate for both of them. And for me, I had to study my peers like a field scientist for a year where I made rules for myself. And for that, from there, I was able to understand. But the learning curve in socializing is 
way steeper in my experience of autism. Um, and I have a cousin who also is autistic, but thinks he has ADHD. He was diagnosed in the nineties and they, he wasn't Sheldon Cooper, so they didn't know what to do with him. Um, (laughs) it's like a one time when the ADHD diagnosis is incorrect. Um, but he also same social issues, um, very black and white thinking. And I'm at the point where I do more gray thinking than black and white thinking. But if I go back to childhood me, the black and white thinking, the this is the rule, we're not breaking the rule, we are following the rule. And that need for hard, clear cut structure is not something that I see in my mom or my sister. Um, But that definitely exists in me and my cousin, for example. Mm, That's a great way of putting it. That's true. Yes, I can see that in certain people when when I when I talk to women who sort of are just ADHD, quote unquote, because I always laugh now. I'm like, I feel like ADHD might be the gateway diagnosis for most of us. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm always thinking about, like, what is the difference uh, with somebody who just has ADHD or just or also has autism? And and that's an actually a really interesting point. I would kind of right now I've just gone back to school. So I'm like diagnosing all of my teachers and all of the people in my class. <laughs> Are you doing that with your professors? <laughs> it's especially fun when they listen and you're right and it changes their lives. I have a, I call her a half roommate because she's only here a couple of days a week. But uh, when I first met her, I was like, you know, I, a lot of the things you're doing, like they, that seems like very ADHD to me. And I wasn't saying you have ADHD, but I was saying like behavior she was doing. She was like, huh. And she took it to her doctor and it has completely changed her life having an ADHD diagnosis. She went through a very traumatic last year and she said, I have no idea how I would have gotten through all of that if I didn't know that my brain works differently and I need different things to cope. I was like, that's so cool. I was right. <laughs> I know. That is amazing. And it, it's, it is it is absolutely life-changing. And it's really hard to articulate why, right? Like, Because I'm also sort of like, why does this feel like such a novel concept to think about ourselves in terms as being an individual and different approaches to thinking? It shouldn't be that novel. Yeah. I've seen a lot of things. I've, I've seen autistic advocates or activists on Instagram who have said um, like that really sort of relates to the stigma of having ADHD or autism because these diagnoses have only been something that anybody could have um, for like a decade. Um, Whereas if you go as far back as even the nineties, having autism or ADHD was, well, that, that fucked up kid, you know, like he can't, he's not doing well in school. And it was only diagnosed to boys who weren't achieving what they thought they should be achieving. And the autistic activists, one of the posts that I saw that I think really summed it up really well was like, there's a difference in perception between saying I'm autistic. So I need some extra, I need some downtime while at this party versus I have social anxiety and the lights are too bright for me. (laughs) Um, Like people have a completely different perception of saying I'm autistic versus I have social anxiety. And one is well-received and um, people relate to it, whereas the other people go, oh, that's that's on you. You're 
that must be really hard for you. And I think it also relates back to how we center able able bodies and able minds and how when somebody is disabled, we throw them in the pile with the other and say, well, shrug your shoulders. That's about it. All we can do for them. Right. And I think also there's there's so much of a subjective view of struggle, too. Right. Like, I think there's a lot of that idea of like, well, you're not struggling enough or, you know, or you you mask too well. um, And so it's not obvious how much you're struggling. And, and, And I think that's such a fascinating conversation in this in the social context, right, of like, how much should you or shouldn't you be struggling? But I feel like there's so much resistance to the increase in autistic diagnoses um, in for adults, there's like a real uh, backlash from like parents of autistic children who are like, how, you know, you don't have autism. This is what autism looks like. And it's like this resistance to expand the viewpoint of the, of the spectrum of, of autism as though it's going to re- reduce their help or it's, I think some people actually thrive on the stigma in some ways, right? Or the stereotype. Like there are certain populations that need that stereotype because it feels like it validates their struggle. Whereas if if more people are coming out and and especially self-diagnosing with autism, I haven't been formally diagnosed. Uh, like I think it was just this idea of like, it, it threatens the... Uh, gravity of autism or something i don't know um it's an interesting time i think for this for this for like how do we define it and what are we even talking about because i feel like i have that question a lot of the time which is like is this even adhd or are we just talking about like regular quirks that everybody has like social anxiety or whatever you know um and so are if we bring all of that under the adhd umbrella are we somehow diluting the, the ADHD diagnosis. Yeah. I have that conversation with my sister a lot, actually, especially um, recently when, cause there was the resurgence in official diagnoses. And when they ran out of, I forget which medication it was, but they were running out of meds and people were popping up on social media going, Hey, my meds didn't work. I think they are placebo pills. <laughs> um, And my sister was very upset about it. She had a friend who was thinking that she might have a ADHD diagnosis. Um, And my sister felt like if she has ADHD, then that invalidates how hard I, being my sister, has to work um, to pay attention in a meeting. Sitting through law school, somebody taps her pen and she would completely lose her ability to focus through the whole class. She was like, it's not fair that my friend can focus through class and is doing just fine, but she thinks she has ADHD because she gets anxious sometimes and can't focus when she gets home. I think also with one, so much education about ADHD seems to be coming from TikTok, which I think is totally fine. It's a lot of people sharing their experiences and a lot of people who are studying this actually sharing what they are finding. Um, I think it's really cool. But there's so many people who are on TikTok who might not have ADHD, but they're engaging with an app that kind of simulates ADHD because you've got the constant scroll and there's the like it forces your brain to focus to have less and less of an attention span with uh, the algorithm that they shoot out of like shorter videos, get get more eyes and all that sort of stuff. And 
for a lot of people, especially people who don't have ADHD, that's going to trigger burnout a lot faster. So they might be sitting there being, wow, I can't focus on anything for more than three seconds because that's how long the videos I've been watching are. And now I'm burnt out because I've been overstimulating myself because I don't have a brain that's made for this depth of speed. And my, like my sister, this was actually my sister's theory that like TikTok is kind of stimulating ADHD for people and encouraging self-diagnosis in it when there isn't one to begin with. I think it's a little more complicated than that because everybody's got their own unique experiences and history to it. And I don't want to invalidate (laughs) self-diagnosis. I know, right? That's why I'm like, it's a fascinating time to be discussing all of this. Because I'm also like, I do feel like there are even, you know, there is the genetic component, but I do think our brain wiring changes based on trauma or experience, right? And so what is to say that spending two, you know, spending an inordinate amount of time on your phone scrolling through an app like TikTok is going to change your brain wiring. And so, you know, while I don't think it causes ADHD, I wouldn't go that far. It does feel like we're going through some major evolutionary changes in terms of who we are as human beings with these devices in our hands. Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And there's also the element of like, there's other diagnoses that can fit different overlaps of neurodivergence. Um, like I took a test to see if I had CPTSD and I scored, they said, oh, according to this test, you do have CPTSD. But I talked about it after with my therapist, another therapist that I've been seeing. And they, they agreed that everything that I had checked yet, like met the criteria for was also very much explained by having ADHD or autism, which we already knew that I had. So they were like, we don't we don't think you have CPTSD, but if you were self-diagnosing, it'd be very easy for you to, or if you didn't realize that you had ADHD first, it'd be very easy to think that you had CPTSD instead. And the treatment for both of those is very different. Right. Yeah. But again, it's like, well, how do you even determine the trauma experienced of a life undiagnosed, you know, growing up neurodivergent and not realizing it? There's so much trauma in there and, and repetitive. So I think one of the things that a lot of people at least a lot of neurodivergence experiences that these diagnoses aren't pathological. These diagnoses are, are information that is very helpful in terms of how we live our lives, right? They're, it's, it's really validating. And so depending on what the diagnoses are, I mean, yes, treatment can be different in terms of medication and therapy, but I think also like a lot of the time it's just giving you more, clarity and and places to research and you know ways in which you can come back to this idea of like harnessing your superpowers and leaning into your strengths and all the way that we talk about like how do i understand myself better and how my body works from one day to the next so that i can stop waking up feeling like a piece of shit or frustrated with myself and start understanding like why i'm doing what i'm doing yeah agreed like how we brought that back <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, gosh, I'm sorry I didn't ask you all the questions I prepared you for, but I do want to ask you if you had if you had a uh, another name for ADHD, would you call it something else? So I thought about this, and I I think I would call it like the warrior's brain. I listened to a podcast many years ago where somebody was it was a it was like a high-end Marine or, or something like that. Like he was like high specialist in the military and he was talking about ADHD. 
Um, and he was saying that he would want the guy with ADHD next to him on the battlefield because our brains are able to keep up with the level of stimulation that is on a battlefield. So we don't go into shock. Our reaction time is faster, like, you know, with that whole C cup, grab cup at the same time sort of thing. Like we, and I, I take a lot of pride in thinking about how my ADHD family, because my whole, my mom's whole side of the family, ADHD is rampant. Um, I take a lot of pride in thinking about how my ancestors were probably the warriors who protected the village and took care of everybody in a very like cool way that not everybody's brain can handle. So I, I would call it that because I, I think that's like what it's evolutionary very helpful for. It's helpful for a lot of things, but I think that's a very strong specialty that our brains are uniquely suited for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm going to butcher this, but I feel like re- I, I isn't there that famous quote, which is like, we are, our bodies are from thousands of years ago and uh, but we're living in modern times there's some kind of quote about that gosh it's it's like we took millions of years to evolve into the bodies we have but we are expecting our bodies and brains to exist in a civilized state that's only existed in like the blink of an eye in the in the grand scope of human evolution right yeah that's not the quote but that is the gist behind you know what right i'm gonna look it up i'll put it in the show notes (laughs) so i'm like i'm gonna put all this stuff in the show notes because i can't remember the name of the woman i'll have that that'll be in the show notes and i'll definitely i'll put so i'll put a link to your book um and your uh monthly recipes and your planner the superpowers planner send me your tiktok video because i want to put the link to the viral video or is it pinned on your is it pinned on your um no it is the first video on the account which is way down there (laughs) it was your first video are you kidding me video (laughs) wow um wow okay that's awesome (laughs) nice introduction to tiktok yeah Burnout for you. <laughs> well, thank you. This I know I uh, threw a lot of questions at you, so thank you. I really appreciate this information. Like I said, I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes I'm just going to have to keep playing over and over and over again when I'm like, wait, what is happening to me right now? Because uh, this is this is such important information, but I do feel like this is the kind of information that's really difficult to retain for whatever reasons. Maybe it's the fact that we just need a lot of that, need it in front of us. Um, but I don't know why it eludes me. I blame my mom but maybe there's more to it. All right. Well, thank you, Cora. This was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your information and um, yeah, all of the stuff that you are doing with um, Unleash Your Superpowers. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely have a link to that in the site. Um, anyway, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been great. Thank you for having me on. This has been a great conversation. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me and my coaching programs, head over to womenandadhd.com. If you're a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD and you'd like to apply to be a guest on this podcast, visit womenandadhd.com slash podcast guest. And you can find that link in the episode show notes. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. 
please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I totally get it, please just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered she's not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD. And she's now on the path to understanding her neurodivergent mind and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then. Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself.